uh, a strong spiritual concept that we can learn from Joshua chapter number 8. And Father, I pray that you would please help me to be able to uh, deliver your sermon as you would have it to be preached, Lord. Uh, help my mind to be clear. Help me to speak the things you would have me to say, Lord. I pray you you just help the hearts of those who are here that they might learn and receive what it is that we can learn from your word tonight. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. Alright, we were there in Joshua chapter number 8. And like I said, if you remember from last week, we dealt with the first part of Joshua chapter number 8. Tonight, we'll only deal with the last part. But you've got to understand that uh, everything, you know, when, when we preach through the books of the Bible, and on Sunday nights we're preaching through the book of Joshua, and on Wednesday night we're preaching through the book of Romans, and, and, and we preach a lot of Bible uh, at our church. You know, I, I often like to remind people, and, and remind myself, this church has only been around for uh, two and a half years, something like that, and in two and a half years we preach verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the books of Genesis, through, through the book of, of Exodus, through, uh, we're, we're here now in Joshua chapter number 8, we've re- preached through the book of, of John, we've preached through the book of Acts, we've gone through the book of Ruth, uh, uh, we're, we're going through the book of Romans, I mean that's a lot of Bible. To, if you've been coming and you've been listening, you've been learning, that's a lot of scriptures for you to learn. But And what I attempt to do when I preach through books of the Bible, I attempt to make every sermon uh, what I call a freestanding sermon. And what that means is that you can jump in to Joshua chapter number 8 and have missed the last seven chapters, and I want you to be able to jump into this series and understand and grasp it and get it. Do you you know what I mean? So every sermon is written to stand alone. But obviously, they all build upon each other. And everything in the Bible is within the context. Nothing is in the Bible by mistake. So every, you ever read something in the Bible and you think, well that doesn't really seem to go with the rest of it. It does. There's a reason why it's there. We just need to study it and figure it out. And in the end of Joshua chapter number 8, we find this very peculiar story about these two mountains. Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal. Now here's what you got to understand. The context, and we read it there in Joshua chapter 8, the children of Israel, if you remember, they entered the promised land, they won a great victory at Jericho, then they went and they went to fight the battle of Ai. Now if you remember, the first time they fought against Ai, they lost. You remember that? Now you say, well what was the reason that they lost? They lost because there was sin in the camp. Do you remember Achan had taken of the accursed thing? And because of Achan's sin, the curse of God was upon the children of Israel, and they went and And it was a battle that they should have won easily, but they lost it and people died because they had, here's why, they did not have the blessing of God on their lives. Once they got the sin out of the camp, once they took care of Achan and they got God's blessing on their life, the same people, the children of Israel, went to fight the same battle against Ai, but were victorious and were able to win it without a problem. And here was the only difference. Once they tried to fight the battle without God's blessing, the second time they fought the battle with God's blessing and that made the difference. If you remember last week, we talked about the fact that they failed at AI. But when you fail at a, when when you try to fight a battle and you fail, you just get up and try to do it again. You try to fix the problem, you get the sin out of your life, and you go fight that battle with the power of God and the Holy Spirit. He'll allow you to win it. So that's the context of this story. And, and really point number one is to give you the context. See, 
This whole story that we read here at the end of, uh, of Joshua chapter number 8, you need to understand, this was something that Moses commanded them to do. Look, look at verse 30. Joshua chapter number 8 and verse number 30. The Bible says, Then Joshua built an altar unto the Lord, God of Israel, make note of this, in Mount Ebal. Do you see that? So you've got a mountain there. It's called Ebal. And that's where Joshua built an ark unto the Lord. You say, why did he do this? Look at verse 31. As Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded the children of Israel, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of whole stones, over which no man hath lift up any burnt offering unto the Lord, and sacrificed priest offerings. You say, why did Joshua do this? He did it, verse 31, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded the children of Israel. Moses, before his death, before the children of Israel crossed the Jordan River, before they entered into the promised land, Moses told the children of Israel, he told them, when you get into Canaan land, there's a couple things I want you to do. Now keep your finger there in Joshua chapter 8, that's the text for tonight, but go with me to the book of Deuteronomy. Right before the book of Joshua, you have the book of Deuteronomy. Go to Deuteronomy chapter number 27, real quickly. Deuteronomy chapter number 27. Now, I'm not making any promises, but I'm going to do my best to preach a, a short sermon tonight, okay? I don't appreciate your laughing. <laughs> um, you know, oh ye of little faith, then you wonder why. <laughs> I preach I preached this morning for an hour and 15 minutes. And uh, I don't usually try to preach that long, but it, it, it was, you know, we needed it to be able to develop the thoughts, and I appreciate it. Uh, that the willingness of, of you to hear God's word. But when I preach, I, I preach longer than I like to in the morning. So I'm going to try to preach not as long tonight, okay? But you got to stay with me. The concept's not hard, but we're going to try to move quickly through them, okay? Deuteronomy chapter number 20. Like I said, I'm not making any promises, but I'm going to try. Deuteronomy chapter number 27. Look at verse number 11. Deuteronomy chapter number 27. In verse 11. Now Deuteronomy, Moses is still alive. The children of Israel are still in the wilderness. They have not crossed into Jordan. Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 11. The Bible says, And Moses charged the people the same day, saying... Notice what he charged them to do. He, he challenged them to do this. Verse 12. These shall stand upon, upon Mount Gerizim... To bless the people, okay, notice that, Mount Gerizim was to bless the people, when ye are come over Jordan, see that when you cross the Jordan River, when you go into the promised land, he said there's a mountain on that side, it's called Gerizim, he said that mountain is going to be there to bless the people, look what he says, when you come over Jordan, Simeon and Levi and Judah and Issachar, and Joseph, and Benjamin. We're not talking about the literal people there, but we're talking about those tribes, okay? Remember on Wednesday night, we've been talking about the fact that sometimes a whole group of tribe will be referred to by just the name of the progenitor. So, we're not talking about Judah, but we're talking about the children of Judah, and the tribe of Judah. Look at verse 13. And these shall stand upon Mount Ebal. Do you see that? Does that sound familiar from Joshua? He said, upon Mount Ebal, now notice, to curse. Do you see that? So you have Mount Gerizim, that was for a blessing, and you have Mount Ebal, that was to curse, for a cursing, look what it says, Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, Naphtali. 
And the Levites shall speak and say unto all the men of Israel with a loud voice. And then he begins to tell them what they're going to say. Now keep your finger there in Deuteronomy 27. Because we're going to come back to that. But go back to Joshua. Here's what I want you to say. Joshua was simply doing what Moses had commanded him. Moses told them, when you cross the Jordan and you get into the promised land, he said, on that side there are two mountains. There's a mountain called Gerizim and there's a mountain called Ebal. He said, I want you to separate the people. And he said, I want you to put some of them on Mount Gerizim. And he said, I want you to put some of them on Mount Ebal. And he said, Mount Gerizim is going to represent the blessing of God. And Mount Ebal is going to represent the curses of God. And Moses said, I'm going to... Moses actually preached a sermon to them and went through all the blessings of God and went through all the curses of God and and, and he told them, you know, you can have God's blessing on your life or you can have God's curse on your life. That was a sermon that Moses had told the children of Israel and Moses had told Joshua, when you get to the promised land, I want you to remind the children of Israel of this promise. The promise of God's blessing or the promise of God's curse. Now you say, why is it in Joshua chapter number 8? Well, I believe that after the ordeals and the lessons that were learned at Ai, Joshua decided, you know, this is a good time to go ahead and do this teaching that Moses had commanded him to do. Are you there in Joshua chapter 8? Look at verse 30. Notice, it says, Then Joshua built an altar unto the Lord. When did Joshua build an altar unto the Lord? After they had lost at Ai, after they had found the sin in the camp, after they got the sin out of the camp, after they got right with God, after they went back to win Ai. Do you understand what I'm saying? Joshua saw this as a great opportunity because they had just lost a battle because they had God's curse on their life. And they had just won the same battle because they had God's blessing on their life. And Joshua thought, you know what? Let's take a moment here and let's go ahead and learn. Why did we lose in Ai? And why did we win at AI the second time? He said, nothing changed. We had the same soldiers. We had the same people. They had the same soldiers. They had the same people. The only thing that changed was God's blessing on our lives or His curse. The context, So you need to understand the context. The reason that this is found in Joshua chapter number 8 is because it has to do with the lessons learned in AI. Number 2. You say, well, what is the, what is the lesson exactly? Look at verse 33. Joshua chapter number 8, verse number 33. And all Israel, and their elders, and officers, and their judges, stood on this side, the ark, and on that side, before the priest of uh, the Levites, which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord. So, do you remember the ark of the covenant? Do you remember what the ark of the covenant represents? The ark of the covenant... If you remember from Exodus, represented God's presence with His people. Not only did the Ark of the Covenant represent God's presence, but it also represented the Word of God. In the Ark of the Covenant is where they had the words that Moses had written down, and the Ten Commandments, and everything that God had given them was in that Ark of the Covenant. And here's what they did. They had these two mountains, okay? Here's what you need to understand the story, and understand the teaching. You just got to, in your mind's eye, envision two mountains next to each other. Mount Gerizim, Mount Ebal. And between them there's a valley. 
Now, what Joshua did was that he put the priest and the Ark of the Covenant in that valley, in the center of Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal. And what he did was he then divided the people. He put half of them on one mountain, and he put the other half on another mountain. Look at verse 33. And all Israel, and their elders, and the officers, and the judges stood on this side of the ark, and on that side of the, uh, of the priests, of the Levites, which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, as well as the strangers, as he that was born among them. Look what he says. Half of them over against Mount Gerizim. So he puts half of the congregation, half of the nation over on Mount Gerizim, and half of them over against Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded before that they should bless the people of Israel. You say, well, what? I don't understand. What is this blessing, or what is the purpose of this? Go back to Deuteronomy. Remember I told you to keep your finger there? Go to Deuteronomy chapter number 28. Deuteronomy chapter number 8. Here's what you got to understand. Mount Gerizim represents... God's blessing on your life. Mount Ebal represents God's curse on your life. Now we need to understand that God, you know, sometimes as Baptists, we, because of the charismatic movement and the Pentecostal movement, and there's a lot of preachers out there today that they teach this prosperity gospel. They preach that once you get saved, nothing's going to go wrong in your life. Everything's always going to be easy. You're going to make money. You're going to have nice cars. Everything's going to go good. You're never going to suffer. You're never going to be sick. And if you do get sick, it's because of your lack of faith. And if you do go broke, it's because of your lack of faith. And if something bad happens in your life, it's because of sin in your life. People teach that today. And we as biblicists say, well, no, that's not true. The Bible doesn't teach that. And we kind of get away, we get so far away from that, and we almost forget about the fact that the Bible does teach that God wants to bless His children. God wants to bless His people. And what Moses told the people, he said, look, put half the people on one mountain, that's God's blessing. He said, put half the people on another mountain, he said, that's God's curse. Then here's what he did. He said, he, he, he wrote for them all of God's blessing. He said, tell them that everybody who's on Mount Gerizim is, is going to get God's blessing. Here's what they're going to get. Now, are you there in Deuteronomy 28? I want you to see this. Notice what God's blessing is. And ask me. Or, or ask yourself, actually, is what I should be saying. Ask yourself a couple questions. While we read this, ask yourself these questions. Number one, are these blessings in your life? Ask yourself that. Number two, ask yourself, would you like these blessings in your life? Look at what it says. Are you there in Deuteronomy 28? It says, and it shall come to pass, if thou hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God. I want you to make note of that. He says, if thou hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all His commandments which I commanded thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high, notice, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. Okay, so this was a blessing for them, but notice, it was also a blessing for their nation. So maybe ask yourself this question, also as we're reading through this, is our nation blessed? Okay, notice God's blessings, verse 2. And all these blessings shall come on thee, and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Notice what he says. Blessed 
shall thou be in the city, and blessed shall thou be in the field. You know what he's saying? He's saying no matter where you're at, you can have God's blessing. Say, well, I live in the city. You can have God's blessing in the city. I live out in the, in the, in the field. I live in, 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 you know, some people live in suburban America. Some people live in the, you know, we're here and there. You say, well, you can have God's blessing anyway. Some people try to act like, well, you know, uh, America is so, is so defiled and so wrong. Do you know that you can have God's blessing and even a wicked nation? Look at verse 3. Blessed shall thou be in the city, and blessed shall thou be in the field. No, verse 4. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body. What is that? Your children? What's the fruit of your body? What your body produces? He said, hey, I can, he said, I can bless your children. I would hope there'd be no parent sitting here tonight that would say, I don't really, I'm not that interested in that. Wouldn't we all be interested as parents to have the blessing of God upon our children? Blessed, but notice, it's not up to the child, it's up to the parent. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body. Do you see that? And the fruit of thy ground. So he said, I'm going to bless your children, the fruit of your body. He said, I'm going to bless the fruit of the ground. Okay, so what's that referring to? Your work? You know that God wants to bless your work? You know that God wants to bless your business or whatever you do for income? And the fruit of thy cattle? You say, what is that? I don't know. Those are your stocks, I guess. <laughs> cattle was an investment for those people. You know what I'm saying? They made money and they invested that money by purchasing cattle. The more cattle you had, the more you were blessed. And sometimes their cattle would die because their stock market crashed. <laughs> and sometimes their cattle produced great. And it was, you know, a rally. How's your 401k doing? I'm just asking. And the increase of thy kind and the flocks of thy sheep. Now don't take that too far. We're going to talk about that in a second. Look at verse 5. Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. He said, you know the things you save up? God says, I'll bless that. How's your savings account? I'm just asking. Well, we're not Pentecostals. I know we're not Pentecostals. But God says He'll bless, he said he'll bless your basket and your soul. Verse 6. Blessed shall thou be when thou comest in, and blessed shall thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. And the Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses. And in all that thou settest thy hand unto. Isn't that interesting? He says, everything you do, I will bless it. He said, God doesn't really do that. Study the life of Joseph. Remember Joseph in the Bible? Everything he did just grew, prospered. Everything he put his hand to do, God blessed it. And he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. The Lord shall establish thee and holy people unto himself as he hath sworn unto thee. If thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways. And all the people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of thee. And the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods. Do you see that? Pastor, don't you know the love of money is the root of all evil? I know the love of money is the root of all evil. But God says He wants to make you plenteous in goods. In the fruit of thy body, and in the fruit of thy cattle, and in the fruit of thy ground, in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers to give thee. The Lord shall open unto thee His goods treasures, 
the heaven to give the rain unto uh, thy land in his season, and to bless all the works of thine hand, and thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. Do you see that? Now let's not skip over this. Look, he says, The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasures. The heaven to give the rain unto the land in his season. You know what he's saying? Because what was their work? The ground. He said, I'm going to bless you in things that you can't control. He said, I'll make sure you get the rain so that you can get the ground to grow. He said, and to bless all the works of mine hand. He said, you work hard, I'm going to bless it. And thou shalt lend. Look, he says, you're going to be in a position where you're going to be lending to others and you're not going to be borrowed. And let me just say this. According to Deuteronomy, it's not a blessing to borrow. You say, Pastor, you're preaching kind of... You know, I know that every, almost every American here, you know, uh, in America we have this culture where you borrow for this and you borrow for that. And I need a car, so I borrow. And I need this, so I borrow. And I get a credit card and I max it up. That's not the blessing of God. And the Bible says in the book of Proverbs that the borrower is servant to the lender. Okay, you are not, you are a slave to the mortgage company, and you are a slave to the car company, and you are a slave to the If you're in debt, that's not a good thing. You're constantly having to borrow, now you say, well, Pastor, are you, I'm not against you, I'm just trying to say, I'm just trying to tell you. If you're constantly borrowing, the Bible says, that's not the blessing of God. He said, he said, I want to bless you so that you lend. Remember what Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Look at verse 13. And the Lord shall make thee the head. And not the tail. How would you like to be described? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'd like to be the head any day of the week. He said, The Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail. And thou shalt be above only, and thou shalt not be beneath, if that thou hearken unto the commandment of the Lord thy God, which I commanded thee this day to observe and to do them. And thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which I commanded thee this day to the right hand or to the left and to go after other gods to serve them. Now here's what you got to understand. This is what Moses said to the people. And this is what Joshua's reading, by the way. Word for word. And this is what God said. This is what Moses said. There's two mountains. Mount Gerizim. He said there's Mount Ebal. He said put half of the people on Mount Gerizim. He said put half of the people on Mount Ebal. He said, those of you that are living on Mount Gerizim, he said, let me tell you what God has in store for you. He said, God wants to bless you. God wants to bless the fruit of your, of your body. He wants to bless the fruit of your ground. He wants to bless the work of your hands. He wants to make you plenteous and good. He wants to give you this and He wants to give you that. He wants to make you the, the lender and not the borrower. He says He wants to give you His blessing. But then He turns His attention to the other mountain. Look at verse 15. But it shall come to pass... If thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do all His commandments and His statutes which I command thee this day, that all these curses, do you see that? Now these are not the blessings, these are the curses, shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Verse 16, look what it says. Cursed! Now let me, please. Look, I'm not here to pick on you. I'm just preaching the Bible. But ask yourself these questions. Am I under the curse of God? Ask yourself this question. Is our nation under the curse of God? Look at verse 16. Cursed shall thou be in the city, and cursed shall thou be in the field. Are you ever just running in life and thinking, man, no matter where I go, things are just not going good for me? Maybe where you're at is not the problem. Maybe your relationship with God is the problem. Verse 17. 
Curses shall be thy basket and thy store. Why is it cursed? Because there's nothing there. Curses shall be the fruit of thy body, your children, and the fruit of thy land, your job, the increase of thy kind and the flocks of thy sheep, your stocks, your 401k, your investments. Verse 19. Cursed shall thou be when thou comest in, and cursed shall thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall send upon thee cursings. Notice what it says. Vexation and rebuke in all that thou settest thine hand unto uh, for to do. You ever thought like this? Man, no matter what I do, it just goes wrong. That may be the curse of God. Until thou be destroyed, and until thou perish quickly, because of the wickedness of thy doings, whereby thou hast forsaken me. Verse 21. And the Lord shall make the pestilence cleave unto thee, until he have consumed thee from off the land, whether thou goest to possess it. The Lord shall smite thee with a consumption, and with a fever, and with an inflammation, and with an extreme burning, and with a sword, and with the blasting, and with the mildew, and they shall pursue thee until thou perish. Talking about your health, talking about things happening to you, verse 23. And thy heaven that is over thy head shall be brass, and the earth that is under thee shall be iron. The Lord shall make the rain of thy land powder and dust. It's talking about the economy. You know what those people needed to have a good economy? Rain. To be plenteous, rain. God says, I'm going to make the rain dust powder. America's economy isn't good. Do we have the blessing of God or the curse of God? From heaven shall it come down upon thee until thou be destroyed. The Lord shall cause thee to be smitten before thine enemies. Thou shalt go out one way against them. Notice. Thou shalt go out one way against them and flee seven ways before them. The opposite. He said, you go fight a battle. He said, you go in one way, you're going to come running out seven different ways. Afghanistan, seven different ways. Iraq. Are you with me? I'm just there. You say, right? I don't think you should be talking about literal things. Hey, do we have the blessing of God upon our nation or not? Shouldn't we be able to win easy wars like AI? Have you ever looked at a map? Afghanistan's not that big, and I don't think the resources are that great. Why do they give us so much trouble? Why do these nations, these little nations that have no, they don't have military like we do, they don't have an economy like we do, they don't have the power like we do, they don't have the, the finances like we do, they don't have anything like we do, and it seems like we go in one way and come out seven different ways. Why is it? The curse of God. I don't like this type of preacher. I'm just telling you. There used to be a day when people feared America. What to God would you get back to? There used to be a day when the blessing of God was upon America. Look at verse 25. The Lord shall cause thee to be smitten before thine enemies. Thou shalt go out one way against them, and flee seven ways before them, and shall be removed into all the kingdoms of the earth. And thy carcasses shall be meat unto all the fowls of the air, and unto the beasts of the earth. And no man shall fray them away. The Lord will smite thee with the botch of Egypt, and with the emeralds, and with the scab, and with the itch, whereof thou canst not be healed. He says, there's going to be diseases in your land that you will not be able to hear from, heal from. I'm not trying to be crude, but when I read that, I think of STDs. And the plague, AIDS, the plague of fornication and sodomy upon this land. Verse 28, The Lord shall smite thee with madness, and blindness, and astonishment of heart. And thou shalt grope at noonday, 
as a blind grope in darkness, and thou shalt not prosper. Thou shalt not prosper in thy ways, and thou shalt be only oppressed, talking about being enslaved, and spoiled, talking about being taken advantage of, evermore. And no man shall save thee. No one's going to be there to help you. Verse 30. Thou shalt betroth a wife. Tell me, does this sound like something you, a life you want to live? Thou shalt betroth a wife. You know what the word betroth means? To engage, to get engaged. He said, you're going to get engaged with a wife, and another man shall lie with her. Thou shalt build a house, and thou shalt not dwell therein. Thou shalt plant a vineyard, and shalt not gather the grapes thereof. This is what God is telling the children of Israel. Verse 31. Thine ox shall be slain before thine eyes, and thou shalt not eat thereof. Thine ass shall be violently taken away from before thy face, and shall not be restored to thee. Thy sheep shall be given unto thine enemies, and thou shalt have none to rescue them. Thy sons and thy daughters shall be given unto another people, and thine eyes shall look and fail with longing for them all the day long, and there shall be no might in thine hand. The fruit of thy land and all thy labor shall a nation which thou knowest not eat up, and thou shalt be only obedient. Oppressed and crushed all way. Does this sound like your life? Do you ever feel like this? So that thou shalt be mad for the sight of thine eyes which thou shalt see. The Lord shall smite thee in the knees and in the legs with a sore botch that cannot be healed. From the sole of thy foot unto the top of thy head, the Lord shall bring thee and thy king which thou shalt set over thee unto a nation which neither thou nor thy fathers have known. And there shalt thou serve other gods, wood and stone. And thou shalt become an astonishment, a proverb, and a byword among all nations where the Lord uh, shall lead thee. Look at verse 38. Thou shalt carry much seed out into the field and shall gather but little in. For the locust shall consume it. Like he, said, he says, you're going to do a lot of work. You're going to carry a lot of seed into the field, but you're not going to bring a lot of it. You know what he's saying? So you're going to work a lot and make very little. Why? Because God's blessing is not on you. Look at verse 39. Thou shalt plant a vineyard and dress them. But neither drink of the wine, nor gather the grapes, for the worm shall eat them. Thou shalt have olive trees throughout all thy coasts, but shall not anoint thyself with the oil, for thine olive shall cast his fruit. Casting his fruit is talking about the fact that you, you did all the work to bring these trees, to, to but, but before you can reap them, they just die. The fruit's useless. Verse 41. Thou shalt beget sons and daughters, but thou shalt not enjoy them, for they shall go into captivity. Talking about going into bondage. All thy trees and the fruit of thy land shall the locust consume. The stranger, tell me if this is America, verse 43. The stranger that is within thee shall get up above thee, very high. And thou shalt come down very low. I'm not, I'm not trying to be rude, and please understand what I'm saying. But why is it in America that young people that have grown up in America, speak the language, have absolutely no problems, seem, you know, are the ones that are just... The government has to support them, and the government has to do this. And people come from other countries, strangers from other lands. They get here, they don't speak the language, they don't know what's going on, but they get here and they get to work, and it just seems like, man, everywhere we go, they're the ones that own the businesses. I don't think he's talking about it. I'm just asking, is, is God's blessing on this nation or what? Look at verse 43. The stranger that is within thee shall get up above thee very high, and thou shalt come down very low. He said, I'm going to cause foreigners to come to your country and make more money and be more successful than you are. Say, well, that's because they're smarter than... No, it's called the curse of God in your life. Verse 44. He shall lend to thee, and thou shalt not lend to him. He shall be the head, and thou shalt be the tail. 
Moreover, all these curses shall come upon thee, and shall pursue thee, and overtake thee, till thou be destroyed, because thou hearkens not unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to keep His commandments and His statutes which He commanded these days, and they shall be upon thee for a sign, and for a wonder, and upon thy seed forever. Now I'm going to stop reading there, because we read up to verse 46, but I want you to look, look at the rest of the chapter, and, and turn your page there. And look. I want you to notice, the chapter goes to verse 68, do you see that? I'm going to stop reading because I don't want to spend my whole night doing this. But here's what I want you to understand. Here's what's interesting. This is the chapter of God's blessing versus God's curse. 14 verses about God's blessing. The rest of the verses is all about God's curse. 20% of the chapter, God's blessing. Exactly 21%. 79% of the chapter, all about God's curse. God has more anger than He has blessing. Isn't that interesting? He has more to say about how I'm going to curse you then it is how I'm going to bless you. Hey, Pastor, what does this have to do with anything? Here's what Moses was teaching the people. Here's what Joshua was teaching the people. He said there's two mountains. Mount Gerizim represents God's blessing. Mount Ebal represents God's curse. He said this is, Mount, this is God's blessing, and he went through and read everything to them. He said this is God's curse, and he went through and read everything to them. And then here's what he said. Which mountain do you want to live on? And let me ask you. Which mountain do you want to live on? I don't know about you, but I want to live on Mount Gerizim. I want the blessing of God on my life. I want my children to be blessed, and my work to be blessed, and my finances to be blessed. I want to be able to help others and not have to be helped. He says, this is God's blessing. You say, well, how do, how do I decide? How do I choose which mountain to live on? Here's what you understand. You can live your Christian life under the blessing of God, or you can live your Christian life in the curse of God. Say, I'm saved. You can be saved and be under God's curse. You're not going to go to hell, but God doesn't have to bless you and favor you and help you. Say, well, what's the key? Notice the key. Look at verse Deuteronomy 28, look at verse 1. And it shall come to pass, if, do you see that word if? If thou shalt Hearken. Do you know what the word hearken means? It means listen. He says, If thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe, that means to pay attention, to look, and to do all. You see that? He said, If you hearken, talking about listening, and observe, talking about seeing, and you do, talking about the actions, what? What am I supposed to do, God? All His commandments, which I commanded this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. Look at verse 2. And all these blessings shall come upon thee, and overtake thee, if, if what? If thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Skip down to verse 9, look what it says. The Lord shall establish thee and holy people unto himself, as he hath sworn unto thee, if, do you see that? If thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God, and walk in his way. Look at verse 13. And the Lord shall make thee the head, and not the tail, and thou shalt be above only, and thou shalt not be beneath, if, if what? If thou, if that thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God. Look at verse 14. And thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which I command thee this day. Look at verse 15. But if, uh, but it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all these commandments and his statutes which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee. You say, how do I get on 
Paramount's blessing. Obey God's word. Keep His commandments. How do I live on Mount Ebal? Disobey God's word. Don't listen to His commandments. It's not that difficult. You say, I want to have a, uh, a successful Christian life. Here's the key. The, so, so, I heard a pastor say this, and it's true. Just learn this, okay? The path to God's blessing is through the door of obedience. And the path to God's curse is through the door of disobedience. It's that simple. Pastor, I just feel like there's always a cloud over my head and everything I do fails and nothing ever works out for me. And nothing. Maybe you got to ask yourself, where are you disobeying God? Where are you not hearkening to His Word? Where are you not? Where is it that when you come to church and the, and the, and the Word of God is preached and the Bible is preached, and I, you know, I don't know about you, but I think we do a pretty good job around here to preach God's Word. I, I don't think you can come around here, I don't think you're going to be able to stand before God and say, well, Pastor, you, well, God, you don't understand. I went to a church and they never prepared me. They didn't teach me anything about the Bible. I'm, I'm going to have something to say about that. <laughs> Maybe you showed up. <laughs> But it does no good to learn God's Word. It's not, it does no good for us to show you, hey, you ought to get saved, and hey, you ought to get baptized, and hey, you ought to read the Bible, and hey, you ought to you know, go soul winning, and hey, you ought to quit fornicating, and hey, you ought to do right, and you ought to live right, you ought to quit stealing and lying. Hey, it does no good for us to teach you what you should do when you hear it, and you just go away and do nothing with it. And then you wonder, why do I live under the curse of God? I don't know, maybe because you're not listening to God. Maybe because you decided you wanted to live on Mount Ebal. And you don't realize there's a whole lot of room on Mount Gerizim. Well, I don't want to live on Mount Gerizim. Why? Because you don't want to get right with God? AI could have been taken or could have been lost. Same city, same town. So why'd they lose? God's curse. Why'd they win? God's blessing. End of story. That's the lesson. Joshua is telling the children of Israel, he said, look, you, do you want to, Joshua is telling the children of Israel, do you want to repeat this again? Do you want to lose another 32 men to a city of 2,000 people? He said, do you want God's blessing on your life or not? He said, this is what Joshua said in the children of Israel. He was saying, you've got to choose where you want to live. And what I'm saying to you today is, why don't you choose to live on Mount Gerizim and say, I don't want to live on Mount Ebal anymore. I don't want to live under the wages of Satan anymore. I don't want, I'm going to get the sin out of my life. And I'm going to listen to God's word. And I'm going to be faithful to the word of God. And I'm going to be faithful. You see, the problem you and I have is this. If I've heard it one time, I've heard it a million times. People say, well, I know what the Bible says, but I'm going to. Big mistake. That's what you already made a mistake. When you excuse your sin and you excuse what you, Well, I know the Bible says that I should, but I'm going to. You're already under God's curse. You already don't have God's blessing. Jesus Christ said, if ye love me, keep my commandments. Say, so what do I do to live on Mount Gerizim? Obey God's word. What do I do to get under the curse of God? Just obey God's word. It's that simple. It's not very complicated. Go back to Joshua chapter number 8. Joshua chapter number 8. We talked about the context. We talked about the lesson. But I want you to see the audience. Notice who was there. Joshua chapter number 8. Look at the last part. Look at verse 34. And afterward, he read all the words of the law, the blessings and the cursings, according to all that is written in the book of the law. Look at verse 35. There was not a word of all that Moses commanded, which Joshua read not before all the congregation of Israel. You know what Joshua was doing? He was preaching just like me. In fact, he was preaching the exact same text. The difference is, yes, she read the whole chapter. All 64 verses. 
He didn't just stop at verse 46. Do you see that? Look at verse 35. There was not a word of all that Moses commanded, but Joshua read not before all the congregation of Israel. Now you say, well, who did Joshua preach this to? Look at verse 35. With the women and the little ones. Do you see that? And the strangers that were conversing among them. Do you know that when Joshua decided, we're going to have church tonight? See, Joshua said, hey, get everybody together. We're going to have Sunday night church. I want to preach to you something. He said, quick, everybody get on Mount Garrison. Everybody get on Mount Ebal. And he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you a lesson that Moses taught us a while ago. And they said, Joshua, do you want us to take the children out of the service so that we can put them in a Sunday school class so that we can play games with them and have them color while you preach to the people? And Joshua said, no, I want the kids here. I want them to hear it. You know that we get a lot of flack around here because we don't have a Sunday school? Pastor, why don't you have a Sunday school? And, t- and take the children out of the service and have them play games and, and color uh, little coloring sheets and, and they can play Simon Says and, and Heads Up Seven Up so that they don't bother the adults while the preaching is going on. You know why? Because the kids need to hear it maybe more than you do. Because those kids haven't messed up their life like you have. And those kids haven't ruined their lives like you have. And we may still have a chance to teach them to love God and obey His Word. And maybe we can get in their hearts the fact, hey kids, just listen to me. You want on your life, obey God. You want God's curse on your life, disobey Him. You want to go through life being a loser? You want to go through life failing at everything you do? Disobey God. Hey, that's what these kids need. They need the Bible preached to them. They don't need to be set aside somewhere to play some game, put them somewhere. No, they need God's word. They, they just said, I'm going to preach to you. He said, I want to preach to the women. He said, I want to preach to the men. He said, I want to preach to the strangers. He said, I want to preach to the little ones. He said, I want to preach to all of them. He said, bring me all of them. Yesterday we were having choir practice. Everybody had gone home. Brother Ron was still here with me and my wife. We were talking. My son gets up here and he's just playing. He doesn't know we're watching. Brother Ron can attest to this. My son gets up here and he starts playing church. Just like, you know, that's what all work kids do, right? What do you think he did when they played church? Well, they had all the chairs around and he started teaching a lesson. You know what my son did? He was playing church. He got up here and he started screaming and yelling and pounding and this and that and you're wrong about this and God. I don't even know what he was saying but I was under conviction. I mean, I was ready to get right with God. I'm like, good night. That's Brother Ron. He's preaching away. What do you think they learned that from? See, your little child is going to grow up to go to some church where they... Pr- where they oh, you pastor, you don't understand. We go to Calvary Chapel because their music is so fun. <laughs> And they've got a woman preacher, and she's so sweet. Where did they learn that? Well, you put them in a class somewhere where some woman was teaching them, and all they sung was fun songs, and they never heard the Bible. You think my kids are going to grow up to go to some liberal church? Hey, my kids are either going to grow up and live for God and go to a fiery, independent, federal Baptist church, but I I promise you this, they're not going to go to some liberal church. If they get out of church, they're not going there. Because they're going to know that God's blessing is on Mount Garrison. And that you say, well, who do we teach this to, the little one? Go with me to Isaiah real quickly. Isaiah, we've got to finish up. I told you I was going to be fast and you've slowed me down. Isaiah chapter 28. Isaiah 28. Isaiah 28. Look at verse 9. Real quickly, Isaiah is the first of the major prophets. Isaiah 28. Look at verse 9. Well, you can't have the kid. And, and let me tell you something. Don't get mad at these moms when these kids start crying. And, well, they're so... They, they, look, they, those kids need to be in the service. Well, pastor, you don't understand. If you don't pray, hey, why don't you just teach your kids to behave? Why don't you, you know what, you say, well, I have a problem with my kid. Hey, look, let me tell you something. I've got a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a two-year-old. Or, good night. A five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a... I'm a <laughs> And 
my wife in the church service, let me just break it down to you. My wife in the church service, you know that she's, she's a single mother in church? She doesn't get any help from me. I'm preaching. I'm leading the music. You say, well, well kids, you need, just teach them to sit. Maybe if you read the Bible with your kids at home and taught them how to sit. And look, they're not perfect. My kids, may, my kids start crying. And start, well, but we're, we're teaching them. We're patient with them. I'll be patient with the next generation. Hey, I, I'll be patient with these kids. You, well, they, you don't understand. They mess around and they fall asleep and they don't do Hey, I'm okay with that. They're the next generation. They're going to be the ones that get up. Hey, I hope that right now, sitting in this building right now, there's the next pastor of Verity Baptist Church that's going to take this church to the next level. When I'm gone, they're the next generation. We need them. Are you there in Isaiah 28? Look at verse 9. Isaiah 28, look at verse 9. Look what the Bible says. Isaiah 28, 9. The Bible says, Whom? Look what Isaiah said. Would you agree that Isaiah was a great preacher? Whom shall he teach knowledge? This is Isaiah, one of the greatest preachers who ever lived. One of the greatest prophets who ever lived. And he said, who am I going to teach knowledge to? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? You know what the word doctrine means? It means teaching. This is what Isaiah, one of the greatest men of God who ever lived. He said, who am I going to teach knowledge to? He said, who am I going to make to understand doctrine? He said, I know, I'm going to go to the Bible college and I'm going to teach it to all the people in Bible. Or I know, I'm going to find the elder men and the elder women. I'm going to teach them the Bible. Notice what he said. Whom shall, te- shall he teach knowledge and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Look what he says. Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. You know that Isaiah said, you know who I'm going to teach the Bible to? A little child that's still nursing. A little child. You say, well, my, your kids come to They get more than you think. They listen more than you think. They're getting more doctrine than probably some of you adults are getting. No, they're just sitting around. They're messing around. Children are like sponges. They get everything. And what to God, some of you, to get serious about making sure that you were getting your kids under preaching. And getting your kids... We, we expose our kids to all, all sorts of trash. They watch TV, whatever they want to watch on TV. At school, who knows what they're being exposed to in school? You don't know. Pornography. You say, they're not being exposed to pornography in school. You better wake up. Drugs. My kids aren't being exposed to drugs in school. Right, right. Because you didn't get exposed to drugs in school. Yeah, because schools have gotten better since you were in school. <laughs> it's true. If you got exposed to drugs in 7th grade, guess what? Your 7th grader is getting exposed to drugs too. If you lost your virginity in high school, guess what? Your high school kids is going to lose their virginity too. Unless you wake up and realize that my kids need to be under hard... I don't want my kids in some class being taught the story of Jonah for the 7,000th time. I want them in the preaching of God's Word where they hear the Bible preached and it says, Hey, you want God's blessing? Love God. Serve God. Follow God. And if you want God's curse, do what you want. See, it's your choice where you live. Hey kids, listen to me. It's your choice where you live. You can live on Mount Garrison. You can have the blessing of God. In 2013, you can get married and stay married. You can have children and love God and worship God. You can as a family. I was so excited. Yesterday, uh, my wife and I were doing visits. And we just had all the whole... All His audience was children. His audience 
I, I'm running out of time. I don't have to have a save. Let me say this. A few disclaimers. Understand that God wants to prosper you. God does want to bless you. I'm not a prosperity preacher. And these prosperity preachers, they say, well, nothing ever is going to go. I'm not saying that nothing's ever going to go wrong in your life. But God does want to bless you. Now, let's be careful with this. Don't forget the story of Job, okay? Job didn't do anything wrong. He lost everything. Do you remember that? And his three friends accused him of what? They said, well, Job, you, there must be sin in your life. There was no sin in his life. Sometimes people go through things because God, like Job said, when I have been tried, I shall come forth as gold. Sometimes you go through trials just because God's trying to make you better. Sometimes you go through things just because God's trying to strengthen you. But listen, sometimes we go through things because of sin in our lives. And it's just because we decided that we're going to pitch a tent on Mount Ebal. And God says, there's a lot of room on Mount Gerizim. Here's my question for you. Where do you want to live? Do you want to live on Mount Gerizim? Or do you want to live on Mount Ebal? It's your choice. It's your choice. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you so much. Thank you for our church. And Lord, I pray that people would understand the concept that's taught today. Father, we know that not just because things go bad, it means that God's curse is on our lives. We understand that there are stories like Job, and we understand that there are stories like the blind man in John, where he was blind, and the disciples asked, well, why, did this, why was this man blind? For his sin? Who, they, they asked Jesus, who did sin? And Jesus said, nobody sinned. He wasn't blind because anybody sinned. We understand that not everything bad that happens in our life is because of sin. But I think we play off a lot of the fact that a lot of things that happen in our lives are because of sin. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Father, I pray you'd help all of us. Starting with me. Lord, help us to just realize that we've got to get the sin out of our lives. We've got to get the laziness out of our lives. We've got to get every excuse we have to not serve God out of our lives. And just decide, I'm going to live on Mount Gerizim. I'm tired of Mount Ebal. Father, we love you. In your precious name I pray. Amen.